our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio. AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H Evans. Ah, my, what a beautiful day outside. 66 degrees. They say it's going to climb up to 93. Did I read somewhere where today is the longest day of the year? I think it is. I know this. It's officially the start of summer today. June 21st, summer begins, and uh, so it is. Anyway, good morning, folks. Welcome. Let's see here. Get all my switches just right. Okay, uh, let's see here. Well, we already mentioned it is uh, the first day of summer. In terms of national days or this or that, uh, Scott, we've got National Selfie Day. So yeah. I guess that's where you take a picture of yourself. Yep, okay. with uh, whatever apparatus that you have. Take a selfie and look at it and say, oh, you good-looking thing, you. Probably most common today would be your cell phone. Yeah. Anyway, National Seashell Day. National Daylight Appreciation Day. Let's see here. National Daylight Appreciation. Okay. National Smoothie Day. Yum. Yeah. National Day of the Gong. (laughs) Like a big gong. Yeah. Remember the gong show with Chuck Barris? Just... He produced it. I think that was like the forerunner of uh, American Idol or You've Got Talent or America's Got Talent. It was like an amateur show. Okay. And if if the act... I remember the name. I don't remember the show. Yeah. If the act was not up to par from what they thought was entertainment, um, I think it was Chuck Barris that looked at the audience and was asking, do I gong them? Or not. And so he kept looking at the audience and then looked back at the act. And the audience would be like yelling, gong him, gong them, or whatever it might have been. And then he would hit that gong. That would be the end of the act. Rip Taylor was on there throwing confetti everywhere. Remember Rip Taylor? Yes. (laughs) He was hilarious. (laughs) All right. That was a funny show. Go skateboarding day. Now, um, do you have you done that? Um, yeah. Oh, I'm not real good at it. And I'm not either. I have one, uh, a nice one in the house, in the garage. But uh, yeah, it seems to be more the grandkids that enjoy it. All right, National Peaches and Cream Day, National Arizona Day. And I'm not sure I get this last one. Anne and Samantha Day. 
Yeah, I saw that earlier, and I'm trying to find it right now, and um, <clears throat> not getting much help here. So yeah. I'm going to try another way to do it here. Okay. National Ann is it A N N E? Yes. With and and Samantha. Okay. Let's see what we got here. Celebrated biannually. Hmm. On the summer solstice and the winter solstice, Anne and Samantha Day honors Anne Frank and oh. Samantha Smith. Okay. Now, who are they? Um, I knew one of them. Yeah. Not, I didn't mean I knew them, but I mean I know of one of them. Uh, um, two young women whose words have inspired millions. But tell me about Samantha Smith. Yeah, I'm trying to find who is Samantha Smith. Who are Ann and Samantha? About Ann and Samantha Day, what is Samantha Day? Is a certified sleep expert and learning behavior specialist who is passionate about guiding families down a path to solid sleep. Mm. Amen for that. With the goal of healthy sleep and happy families, she is dedicated to helping others reach their goals. Well, Samantha, hey. that still doesn't. I don't think that's Samantha Smith. Well, it could be. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Anyway, while you're uh, continuing, look that up here. Uh, we'll start in on the historical events. Today is. Uh, on this date in 1788, the United States Constitution comes into effect when New Hampshire is the ninth state to ratify it. 1854, first Victoria Cross won during a bombardment of uh, Bomberson. In the um, Island Islands. This was during the Crimean War. I know I didn't read that one very well. I'll try to do better on the next. In 1948, Lord Mountbatten resigns as Governor General of India, formerly the last Viceroy. 1990, a 7.7 earthquake with hundreds of aftershocks hits Iran. The death toll out of that, about 50,000 people. 1990. 1993, English mathematician Andrew Wiles proves the last theorem of Fermat. 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 Okay. This one we're going to have to look up. So, Fermat. F-E-R-M-A-T. The last theorem of Fermat. Uh, let's see. That was named after Pierre de Fermat, who was a French mathematician. And... Let's see. What did he discover? It's a theorem. 
discovered the fundamental principle of analytic geometry. So that's what it is, analytic geometry. Finding tangents to curves and their maximum and minimum points led him to be regarded as the inventor of the differential calculus. I loved geometry. Did you understand anything you just read? Yeah. Really? Yeah. The correlation of curves to the maximum and uh, the points, as they, as he mentioned there, too. Now, differential calculus, that's a different story. Uh, diff EQ was not an easy subject in college, <laughs> but uh, it was one of the requirements of the program, of the business program. Now, they go on to say here, why is it called Fermat's Last Theorem? Uh, the result is called his Last Theorem because it was the last of his claims in the margins to be either proved or disproved. So, the accepted proof, first accepted proof, was in 1995, some 350 years later. All right, well, we've got some birthdays to mention. Uh, first of all, Prince William, right? Yes. Celebrating his 40th, 40th birthday today. Uh, Chris Pratt. Celebrating his 43rd birthday today. Now, he looks familiar. Chris Pratt is an American actor. Okay. Yeah, he rose to prominence for his TV roles particularly as Andy Dwyer in the NBC sitcom Parks and Recreation. Oh, okay. Is that why he looked familiar? I think so. Some of his movies include Jurassic World of 2015, Guardians of the Galaxy in 2014, Jurassic World Dominion 2022. Okay, now, I've seen this name in print, but I still don't know how to say it. John Paul, but the last name's the kicker. S-A-R-T-R-E. Um, Sartre? I, I don't know what's right. Jean Paul Charles Amard Sartre was one of the key figures in the philosophy of existentialism, a French playwright, novelist, screenwriter, political activist, biographer, and literary critic, as well as a leading figure in the 20th century French philosophy and Marxism. Ooh. Wow. Heavy. Okay, well, yeah. uh, today would have been his birthday. He was born in 1905 on this date. He died in 1980. Okay, uh, here's someone that, uh, boy, a pretty picture. Benazir Bhutto. Um, and she was born on this date in 1953. She died in 2007. She is a Pakistani politician who served as the 11th and 13th Prime Minister of Pakistan from 1988 to 1990, and then again from 93 to 96. She was the first woman to head a democratic government 
in a Muslim-majority country. We have uh, two famous deaths to bring up. One is Sukarno, born in uh, twenty. Uh, let's see here, born in nineteen oh one, but died on this date in nineteen seventy. I need a spelling, please. S U K A R N O. Sukarno is was an Indonesian statesman, Indonesian statesman, orator revolutionary and nationalist who was the first president of Indonesia serving from 1945 to 1967. Sukarno was the leader of the Indonesian struggle for independence from the Dutch colonialists. And then uh, the last uh, of these, Edward III, King Edward III, uh, born in 1312, Died in 1377. Edward III, also known as Edward of Windsor before his accession, was King of England and Lord of Ireland from January 1327 until his death 50 years later in 1377. He is noted for his military success and for restoring royal authority after the disastrous and unorthodox reign of his father, Edward II. Why was Edward III called the Black Prince? The Black Prince's emblem was three white ostrich feathers set against a black background. As for his other more famous name, it was not until the 16th century that Edward became known as the Black Prince, most likely because of his distinctive black armor and or jousting shield he was a jouster well uh, good morning folks welcome it's a, a tuesday edition beautiful morning out there isn't it we're uh, still showing 68 degrees outside although it's supposed to climb up to 94 it's going to be a sunny 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 day there is, a t- um, as we look ahead, tomorrow, 93 as well. Uh, Thursday, 86 are high. Friday, 86 are high. And then the weekend, Saturday, 91. Sunday, 92. Uh, there could be some thunderstorms on Friday. Uh, I'm sorry, on Sunday. On Sunday, folks. And... Looking back here, tomorrow there's a slight chance of some rain showers. Okay. Yeah, the weather models I saw has the rain, and uh, some of it may be a little heavy moving okay. through our area okay. uh, early tomorrow afternoon, 2, 3 p.m., something like that. You must be looking at a far more detailed uh, yeah. cast than I have. Yeah, I saw it uh, actually this morning on uh, yeah. the newscasts. The early morning news. Well, um, we've got um, a story about Israel. The prime minister there and its foreign minister will hold a vote within the next week to dissolve the government. That sounds pretty severe. 
and if that's successful, it sets the stage for the country's fifth election in four years this fall. Imagine that. Five elections in four years. That's, um... Okay, stop over there. <laughs> Chewbacca's after something. Evidently. Um... The election may mean a potential return to power for longtime Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who was ousted last year after a 12-year run and was indicted in in 2019 for corruption charges. So um, the foreign Prime Minister, Yair Lapid. He will serve as the acting prime minister until this new government is formed. Observers say Bennett has struggled to keep his coalition of eight dis, disparate, disparate parties together since its formation last year. Varying ideologies ranging from opposing Palestine's independence to supporting an end to Israeli occupation have, well, fractured the coalition with members clashing over policy. The government also lost its thin majority this year after a member simply quit. Netanyahu yesterday vowed to form a new government. Israel's last four elections ended without a clear majority and were largely referendums on whether Netanyahu should run sh- should rule amid his corruption trial. Ethiopia is next in the news. Um, basically, there's a lot of ethnic clashes occurring there. Uh, let's just read the story here. The reported death toll from a weekend rebel attack in Ethiopia has risen to at least 260 deaths, according to witness accounts. Government officials blamed the bloodshed on gunmen from the Oromo Liberation Army, O-R-O-M-O, which is an ethnic rebel group who deliberately targeted the Amhara population in the western region of the uh, Oromia state. The group denied responsibility for the attack. Ethiopia has long struggled with ethnic conflict. People of Oromo descent make up about one-third of the population, followed closely by ethnic Amhara. Well, under Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed, I'm sorry, Abli 
Mish, is that an I or an L? That's an I. So I'm going to go with Abby Ahmed. Ahmed. <laughs> Let's just keep going. The country attempted to move toward nationalized politics, an effort which devolved into the ongoing civil war between the government and the northern Tigray region that began two years ago. Ethnic Tyragians had enjoyed outsides political power since the early 1990s despite making up about 5% of the population. One more sentence here. The Oromo Liberation Army has reportedly joined the Tigrayan forces in their fight against the Abbey government despite Abbey himself being an ethnic Oromo. That's really confusing. Well, let's see here. A floating restaurant landmark served millions of customers while stationed in Hong Kong's Aberdeen Harbor. Well, guess what? It capsized and sunk yesterday. The Jumbo Floating Restaurant was in the process of being towed away from its longtime home when it encountered severe weather in the South China Sea. No injuries were reported, but officials say the structure is unsalvageable. They go on to say the popular tourist destination, it, the 2,300-person vessel, served guests including Queen Elizabeth II, Tom Cruise, and many, many more. The restaurant also reflected Hong Kong's relationship with the West. If you have in parenthesis here, the region was a British colony until 1997. Shuddered after, shuddered at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, the restaurant never financially recovered, though it had reportedly been running a deficit since 2013. Huh. Weird. All right. Sports, um, Scott. Why don't you update us on some sports activities? All righty. Well, um, not much no. different than yesterday other than uh, baseball scores uh, from um, the major leagues. I think the Indians and Reds were both off yesterday, and they are both in action again this evening. We'll have the Reds here on 970 WATH, and hopefully they can get back on uh, the winning track here. Now, did you say the Indians? I did, didn't I? <laughs> the Guardians of the Galaxy. There you go. <laughs> Old habits are hard to break, aren't I, they? I should think. 
Well, the Red, Cincinnati Reds host the Los Angeles Dodgers tonight at uh, Great American Ballpark. First pitch at 640. And, uh, uh, excuse me, pregame 640, first pitch at 710. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll have the game for you right here on 970 WATH. Los Angeles Dodgers, historically one of the best teams in the National League the last decade, even longer than that. Of course, they've got a lot of money to do those types of things. Uh, Ohio State football, uh, they've got lots of money to sign great players is what I was referring to, uh, which makes them a great team year after year. Um, Ohio State football landed uh, the top receiver in the country for the class of 2023. Uh, They refer to them as five-star recruits. He is the number one receiver, and he is heading toward Ohio State to play football there for the Buckeyes. And uh, I saw something, speaking of the Buckeyes, with this name, image, likeness thing going on that college players are now able to promote and market their name, image, or likeness that uh, the Ohio State quarterback uh, received a, uh, I think it was like a $200,000 Bentley that uh, apparently he he traded in for a a bigger, more expensive model vehicle. And uh, I just think that's, I don't know, unheard of. Some people would say, Palmer, you should know this stuff, but I don't. So, is there are there caps of what a college can offer, a university can offer a player? Well, um, yes, as far as that goes, but they cannot restrict what uh, they are able to go out and market themselves now. So, they can make unlimited earnings with that happening now that the rules have changed. Which, for me, asks the question, what about the guys from the Jim Trestle era that sold their rings and sold other memori- uh, memorabilia, like the uh, golden pants that they get for beating Michigan in exchange for tattoos? They got suspended. Uh, Coach Trestle in- eventually ended up having to resign. Uh, so where does that leave them? I mean, if they made it okay now, where where do, can we regress back to vacate uh, all of those and reinstate those earnings? The last few things you talked about, I guess I wasn't aware of. But my – okay, so you got Ohio State. Um, you got uh, – Name name of any other major school. Oh, they, they are Michigan, Penn State, any big Miami, Florida, okay. Georgia. So they can um, invite someone to play on their team and give them free tuition, and then pay them a cash. Yeah, the school doesn't pay it. Who does? Well, it's just like you know they be they've become an independent contractor. It's just like uh, no, no, no. I'm not talking about outside deals, but don't they? Doesn't the school have the ability to 
No. No, they can't do that. They can offer them tuition, you know, room and board, things like that, but they don't pay them actual hard cash. That comes from outside sources now that they are allowing, that the NCAA is allowing now. But no, the school doesn't do that. So what happens, it's just like an actor endorsing a product. The actor gets paid for endorsing that product, or a spokesman gets paid for endorsing well, that product. That, that's a recent thing. Yeah, but in the last what couple about, years. What about before that? How, how was it that somebody would go to this school because they got more money? Well, that, that was... Um, really not allowed but it was under the table types of things and that's why schools got investigated by the NCAA and they had to serve suspensions uh, they were not permitted to play in bowl games schools were not p- permitted to play in bowl games for these violations of NCAA policy well that's all gone by the wayside now because it doesn't have to go under the table now but back in the day, no outside sources were permitted to influence a high school student athlete from attending a certain school by giving them money or cars or helping their families, things of that nature. So now they're still not schools are still not permitted to do that, but with the name image and likeness situation the way it is now you know outside sources can basically say hey you know we've got a deal here for you we would like to sign you on to our marketing program because of their popularity you know for instance the Ohio State quarterback that I mentioned uh, it's part of his name image likeness deal which they refer to as NIL the abbreviation for name image likeness um, he's got to deal with a local car dealership there in Columbus he'll he is now uh, driving a Mercedes G wagon and I've seen that thing and man is it gorgeous it's valued at two hundred thousand dollars but before that he was giving as uh, given a one hundred and fifty thousand dollar Bentley to drive but decided he wanted the Mercedes instead so that is what has opened up for college student athletes, much like the professional game. Now that these they can sign deals with businesses, car dealerships. Um, I've seen an Ohio State basketball player uh, endorsing a local auto dealership in a commercial there, Zed Key, and uh, I love Big Zed. And uh, I think the name of the dealership is Key Oldsmobile. So they're doing a play on name with this player, you know, Zed Key to promote Key Oldsmobile or whatever the brand of cars is, uh, uh, are that they sell there. So that's where this has expanded. And it can happen here at Ohio University, too. I mean, I've seen jerseys available online to be purchased. And what happens is the player, the student athlete, gets the royalties from however many jerseys are purchased. And that's the same thing with every school now. They allow their players to receive royalties. Because before, 
you would go up to, say, uh, one of the bookstores uptown and buy a jersey, and it would, say, was the uh, quarterback's number for the Bobcats. You know, they didn't get any of that. Uh, the royalties went elsewhere, and I think they went through the marketing department of the athletic department, actually, because I saw lots of royalty checks come across my desk that were deposited in to that particular budget. But now the student-athlete gets them. So that's how they've eased up. And it's kind of helped deter these backdoor deals, these under-the-table deals, you know, preventing schools from cheating, trying to get a, you know, a, a step up on their competition, obviously. But it seems like for many years, Certain schools attracted all of the more skillful players. Yeah. And it wasn't purely because they had a reputation. There was um, things being done. Illegally. Okay. Yep. But you're saying there was nothing legal? I mean. Oh, yeah. There were lots of schools that. You know, they kept in bounds as far as that goes of recruiting responsibly, so to speak, and not, you know, it. <laughs> it's only a violation if you get caught is what some people say. But a lot of schools, they, you know, they did it. You, you, it was happening. You know it was happening. The under-the-table deals, you know, helping the student-athlete's family that maybe was a lower-income family. And, uh, and uh, whether the NCAA just turned their head or that was not reported by certain schools. Yeah, that happened back in the day, you know, back in the 60s, 70s, even even as recent as a few years ago, I'm sure, before this name image likeness opened up all of this and try the attempt is trying to deter that. But <clears throat> college sports have become a business now, much like a pro sport is a business. Uh, it's just like one guy getting traded to another team, you know, a, a famous player, a popular player from one team gets traded to another team. It's a business. Those those trades happen. Well, yeah, but at the pro level, you expect the dollars to move. Yeah. Um, and you can expect them to move now. Okay. In college ranks, right. with uh, you know, uh, for, let me give you another example. I guess I thought they always had. It's just it was um, now they've added like you can use the likeness to promote a product. Yes, and um, that's new. Yes, um, but I thought. There were other case we manners that were permissible and were being done for years. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Let me give you another example of how this works. Now that that players, if they have the popularity, how they can work the system, and a classic example of that is a quarterback that signed with Ohio State, Quinn Ewers. E-W-E-R-S, 
He was the number one quarterback that was being recruited out of high school. Okay, in Texas, they do not permit high school athletes to do that, to reap the benefits of a name image likeness. So what he did was he left high school early in Texas to come to Ohio State. He signed at Ohio State. He knew he wasn't going to start ahead of C.J. Stroud. But what he did was he came here and jerseys with his number and name were flying off the shelves. People were ordering them online because he was going to be the next great quarterback at Ohio State. All right? Now... He was at Ohio State for about four months, I think, and and that young man, he made a cool about a million bucks and did not even play one snap for the Buckeyes. Then he transferred back to Texas. So that's an example of how the system can be worked by someone that was that popular and goes to a school like Ohio State where they're football crazy and people started buying things with his name, image, likeness. And, of course, he gets all the royalties from it. And it wasn't just people in Columbus or the state of Ohio. I mean, it was Ohio State alumni nationwide, worldwide, Ohio State fan base. I mean, Ohio State is a brand. It really is. And wow. so people who are Ohio State Buckeye nuts <laughs> fans, they were buying that stuff left and right. And so he made all the royalties off that. And then he decided, eh, I'm not going to get to play anyway. I'm going to transfer back to Texas. Wait a minute. He's not going to get to play anyway. Then why would he get all this? Um, well, what, what, he wasn't as talented as. Oh, yes. He was the number one quarterback. He is really good. Then why is he going to get to play? Well, C.J. Stroud was only a sophomore. Oh. So with his performance as a freshman, and you would Stroud, consider Stroud to be even more skillful. Oh well, not only that, but he's the starting quarterback, and he's going to remain the starting quarterback at Ohio State. So that therefore, Quinn Ewers don't is you thinking, put your best player in regardless? Well, that's that's the goal, yes. But you got a guy that's performed as well as CJ has. I mean, he's your best guy right there. Regardless if he throws two or three interceptions, he's still your best guy. So this guy might have had one season to shine. Possibly. Senior year or something like that. Possibly, yep. And uh, he knew that he was not going to play ahead of C.J. Stroud. And so he thought, I'm going to go transfer somewhere where I can play, much like Joe Burrow. Where did he go, by the way? Uh, He went back to Texas. Okay. So – same thing with Joe Burrow. You know, he he when he wasn't the starter and uh, he knew that he was going to be on the bench again, but I still say he had that starting quarterback position one. He wanted to go where he could play. So, thus, he went to LSU. We know, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. And uh, so that's, that's the case here with the Ohio State quarterback. Hey, speaking of Joe Burrow, if I can segue – I was reading something yesterday that with Joe's success that he's had with the Bengals now, um, he led the NFL in completion percentage last year and yards per pass. 
okay, his rookie contract expires after this season. Now, the rookies are only allowed a maximum amount per the union agreement, the collective bargaining agreement with uh, the NFL, okay? Once that contract expires, then it's wide open. NFL agents are speculating that Joey could make anywhere from 55, listen, hold on to your seats, folks, 55 to 57 million bucks per year after his rookie contract expires. Hmm. He will probably get the next highest contract of any NFL player. And I think they're looking at long-term contracts. They better be uh, five years at, uh, I believe, uh, well, what would that be? Close to $300 million for five years. And uh, Joe doesn't really, he doesn't really uh, go off about it. He doesn't comment about it. And it, the the article I read said he kind of laughs about it. And he said, if it comes, it comes. And I thought that's, that is classic Joey right there. <laughs> so we do anyway. have a caller. Let's see what's on their mind. Good morning. Good morning. Hearing these facts, which I believe are facts, um, what's the lesson taught to these young guys? It doesn't sound like sportsmanship to me. It sounds like money, 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 money. It's the most important thing ever, ever, ever. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Hmm. That yeah. just underscores what I've thought about sports all my life. Well, you know, I I agree <laughs> with with you that what what is it teaching our young student athletes? It teaches them to strive for success, yes, but does it also teach them greed and money hungering? Well, when you take one fancy car and you take it for a better, higher level, yeah, at least in his view, to me. And especially if some of these folks, which I'm going to make an assumption here, many of these sports folks, especially uh, the the, back, the black population, they come from poverty a lot of times. And then they're sought out. And, you know, <laughs> it's beyond my comprehension as a person. All these things put into cars, for example. I mean, they all have four wheels. They got seats, and you go, and you know, <laughs> all they're about the same. That's from someone who's only had two cars in her entire life. Yep. <laughs> You're right. And they, I don't I don't understand it. Except that you've got this, this alien, this, this Joe Burroughs guy, who doesn't think like that. You know, he's like a alien. He like <laughs> dropped off of some other planet. Yeah. And that's because of the nature of the family in which he grew up. Yeah. They taught him a lot different values because you know, he's the one who put money back into this community. Oh, oh. I thought you were going a different direction. No, I wasn't going a different direction. No, I'm with he, you. He, he's not thinking of the money, money, money. I mean, when you feel, I can't even comprehend 55 to $57 million uh, a year. What the heck is that? Yeah, that'd be tough you know. to take, wouldn't it? Well, <laughs> what would you do with that? Yeah. You would want to give it away. Yep, I'm sure he will. Now, I would want to give, I don't want that money. <laughs> I don't want I don't want that money. That's just way too much money. And these are young persons. So then some of them fall off of the track, and then they go into, you know, things like drugs, or somebody gets mad at them and shoots them and, <laughs> and, and all of these kinds of things. And uh, it's just sad that yes. uh, 
we're putting this kind of thing somewhere we got off balance in the in the college environment as far as i'm concerned you know to to all this likeness and all this business you know that that we're doing now and that's the direction we're going we're making this uh but i've always thought that every university i've ever been associated with they put too much emphasis into the athletics into instead of where they should be putting it into the academics that's what we should be producing from our colleges academic Mm. people who have good uh, moral values, uh, ethical values, and... uh, (laughs) uh, First of all, I'm very short on time, so I'm going to let you go. I will let... uh, Thank you so much. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Um, But I I will have to say, you know, I'm I'm on the uh, advisory boards for two different colleges here at OU. Their budgets are significant. And, you know, do I think that what is spent on athletics for Ohio University is outrageous. I, I think it's balanced, okay? Now, Scott, you worked in that department. Yes. Is it, is it fair for me to put you on the spot to ask if you agree? Um, yes, I, I do. I mean, I think the, the budgets are tried. Uh, they try to balance them um, proportionally. Uh, but, you know, you have costs. If you want to have the athletic department, yeah. you're going to have to fund it. So the choice is made. Do we fund our athletic department appropriately or do we just leave it as is? And, you know, it, to get coaches, players, uh, some college presidents believe in athletic departments and that they should be funded. Uh, some don't. Okay. It just depends on who the leadership is. Um, I have four tickets to um, Ohio football, and granted, I'm up in the uh, upper box there. $790 for my tickets. Um, And I'd pay a lot more if I were up at Ohio State, wouldn't I? (laughs) Yes, you would. Okay, folks, have a great day out there. In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Deborah Rodriguez in New York. Congressional investigators opened their fourth public hearing into the January 6th attack in a few hours. This time, local elections officials, including Georgia's Secretary of State, will take center stage. Correspondent Nicole Killian is on Capitol Hill. We expect him to talk more about this pressure campaign by the former president to try to help overturn the results of the election. As we know, Brad Raffensperger stood his ground. He did not give in. You can catch the hearing live on CBS News. It begins at 1 p.m. Eastern. Just in from the Supreme Court, it has rejected Bears' appeal to shut down thousands of lawsuits that claim its weed killer Roundup causes cancer. It exposes the company to billions of dollars in legal settlements. Attorney General Merrick Garland's made a surprise stop in Ukraine. He's scheduled to meet with that country's top prosecutor. A Justice Department official says they'll discuss the ongoing effort to identify and apprehend war criminals. President Zelensky says Africa, meantime, is being held hostage. The unjust and provoked by the Russian war level of food prices is painfully felt on all continents. Parents in Uvalde, Texas, are renewing demands for the school district's police chief to be fired after last month's massacre at an elementary school. 
that left 19 children and two teachers dead. Correspondent Omar Villafranca with details on an image published by a local paper. The photo is timestamped 11.52 a.m., 29 minutes before the gunman fired another round of shots and nearly an hour before law enforcement 